Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. You're listening to a new The Hacker Factory podcast with hacker maker, Philip Wiley. You're about to discover what the role of a professional hacker entails, the different specializations it holds, and what it takes to learn and become one. Enjoy the conversation as Philip and guests unveil the secrets of professional hacking a mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Wiley, the Hacker Maker. In each episode, I have a guest sharing their story and advice on getting started into cybersecurity. And I'm very excited today to have Stephanie Lewis join me. Uh, Stephanie and I first connected, was it last, was it 2021? Was it when we first connected or was it, yeah, I guess it was 2021. 2019, Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so we finally got to meet in person for the first time at Texas Cyber Summit, which was awesome. I love meeting my my friends in, in real life. Uh, so we got to hang out some. So it's it great to see you there. Great to see you also. Yeah. So uh, why don't you introduce yourself to our guests and share a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got started? Yeah. So uh, my name is Stephanie Lewis. Um, I founded Secon 202. Tagline Chocolate City Hack in 2019, uh, shortly after, right around DEF CON, uh, I heard um, Jason Street give a talk and uh, actually a panel discussion. And I was there with uh, one of my good friends um, from Detroit, because I'm originally from Detroit, I'm in DC now. But yeah, I heard him talk and he was just like, you know, we need more. Uh, cyber groups training and this that, and the third and i was really inspired you know it was my first time ever coming across him and it's just his passion uh for other people to learn i think that's up until that point that was a rarity in our field and i'm talking about in the technology field in, in general um i come from a computer programming background so it just seems very much like a lot of gatekeeping kind of in our industry and to have somebody at his level be so welcoming and inviting um, after years of kind of seeing the opposite, I was like really encouraged. And so I said, okay, let me take a, let me take, let me take a stab at this. I'd only been in um, DC, I think at the about time, three years maybe. And um, I used to do a coding group back at home in Detroit, Michigan. And uh, so I thought, okay, why don't I do one again, but this time have it have a cybersecurity. And so, uh, yeah, so he just greatly encouraged me and I was like, okay, let's, let's go for it. And I had um, a few meetings and then, you know, COVID hit and then we were kind of online. I was not good at streaming at that time. So, or recording the stream. So we just kind of did like a live stream on Twitch. I discovered Twitch at that time, and uh, we did a few things online. And I appreciate you being online and uh, doing one of our virtuals. We did, I think it was in 2020 or 2021, at the end of a, I had a conference, and we were really trying to be in person, but it's just the venues didn't, didn't, still didn't work out for us. So we were online, virtual, and that was good. 
we had about, I would probably say 35 people on. Uh, it was on a Saturday. So um, really good content. People were talking um, Elasticsearch and uh, the cybersecurity angle with those uh, two technologies. And, you know, the group has been um, doing pretty good online. We're trying to get back to, you know, in person. But um, so going to, we sponsor different uh, conferences circle. We saw uh, Jason Street at Texas Cyber. And that was so amazing to have him come to my table, uh, my community table, and um, to be able to show him, you know, how far I've, I've come in the group in this, that, and the third. And I think that's really important in our industry to, how do I want to say, pass the baton, you know, and, and help the next uh, generation and also the, the newbies come into the field and, you know, give them a chance and give them an opportunity, but also, you know, they're responsible to take what they've learned uh, from somebody who's more seasoned and implement it. And so I hope that he is encouraged along with my other mentors, um, Tyrone and Charles are, um, you know, satisfied and excited to see that, you know, their mentee has taken you know, this group and try to do the best that, you know, I could do with it and continue to do well with it. Very cool. So do you ever uh, plan on having an in-person conference? Yes, that was spoiler alert. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, we wanted to do that this past uh, September. And we got, I got busy with uh, just sponsoring um, different conferences this year. And so that kind of took up our time. And, uh, but next year we're definitely planning on doing an in-person conference, uh, looking at locations, nothing big because we are a workshop based group. We don't do demos or PowerPoint presentations. That's an absolute no, no. Um, we do hands-on learning. And so that they, so that the attendees can take what they learn and continue to implement it even after the workshop is is done. So we are looking to do a one day, have a nice size, probably, you know, 30 people, that's sufficient enough because if you go too big, then you can't go as deep as you want to go. And I want everybody to leave with uh, a level of understanding, not just about the methodolo methodologies and, and the thought process, but also have implemented it, you know, in their whatever, Kelly Linux or whatever they're working with. <laughs> Very cool. And that's that's kind of a, a unique idea to keep the group small to give a better overall experience and quality. Right, right. So where did you what kind of inspired you to take that that approach to more of a smaller uh, intimate group instead of the bigger groups? Um, well, I've been to, you know, various meetups. Um, like I said, both in Detroit and, you know, now here in, in DC. And I also been to a few conferences and I just always felt like, uh, not everybody's questions get answered, um, in a larger setting and you can't go as deep as, uh, you can, if it, the group is smaller, you know, cause everybody 
when you teach a class, it's like you need all of your students, all your attendees to be able to download the software, configure the software, you know, do whatever the objective is on the on the task to do. And so you're assisting them along the process and you just really you just didn't really work out in, a, in larger groups, I noticed. And so I always thought to myself, well, I rather have a niche and have, you know, a group of people come consistently and be able to go the whole depth and breadth of the of a technology or what I'm about for the day, for the evening, than to have, you know, a group of people and just say, hey, this is Wireshark or this is, you know, whatever tool we're working on. And, you know, you almost kind of have to do it more presentational if you get it. it I didn't see the value in that. Very good. That's a, a great thing that you kind of, thought about things and, and did something different. So, I mean, I'm sure, you know, going to conferences like DEF CON compared to even like Texas Cyber Summit, mm-hmm. seeing the differences in sizes and just kind of the conversations you can have as an attendee compared to like these really huge conferences. Right. Bigger isn't always better. That, that's what I learned. Like what you just said, going is nice sometimes but those smaller conferences where you can actually talk to the presenter afterwards, that's where the value is. Um, that's where you can gain more knowledge. That's when you can work out your questions and, and anything that you were still, you know, pondering over um, with them. And you can even show them your project and they can offer tips and tricks to, you know, how to do whatever it is you're trying to do. So for sure. Which isn't really the most, I guess, popular way to go about it because everybody's like, oh, growth. I want to grow, grow, grow. But I don't want to lose the quality for the growth. And that's something that's very important to me. Just make sure that it's always worth it. Yeah, you know, even using that concept, if you want to be able to reach more people, then you could just put on the conferences more frequently instead of trying to put on one really big conference. Right. We're trying to do, we're trying to do, um, monthly. We're going to start that next year. Uh, we think we're going to shoot for one more, try to do one in person before the year gets out. Uh, I have done a few virtual things we have, um, but we shoot for one in person, maybe with, uh, one of our partnerships that we have with rice, um, thinking about doing something with them as well. So we have a few, yeah. And so we're hoping to, you know, do at least one in person and then one virtual. And then definitely next year, be kicking off some uh, training courses in like Python, thinking about Linux. I know um, Charles has some ideas. He speaks at our, our stuff a lot. So, you know, we're, we're getting things planned out. That's great. That's great. And hopefully, uh, Hopefully things pick up to where you get to, to do them in person because I know some areas of the country, it's been a little bit slower to be able to do things in, in person. Has there been anything to really prevent any of the laws or anything in your area to prevent you from being able to do things in person? Well, we did have uh, we did have the libraries is where we typically meet. When we came back from COVID, I noticed that the libraries weren't opening up after five. 
or they were like 5.30 was their latest time. I do know that MLK is open to, I think, 7 now. So like the hours had changed. So it was hard to get that 6.30 to 8.30, which is like kind of like the sweet time. And yes, yeah, so it was hard to get that. So now we're looking at maybe offices, maybe uh, we call it something possibly like WeWork or so, you know, we're looking around right now, but yeah, that definitely was a bit of, cause we had a little bit stricter COVID. Uh, we definitely had masks for longer than I noticed other states had, even though DC is technically not a state, but that's another story. Yeah, we had a little bit more and then every venue is, is different. You know, some community centers, they do still want you to wear a mask and you know, others don't. So yeah. Very cool. So yeah, so so I'm sure in your area there's a lot of uh, a lot of good presenters and teachers that you could find in that in that area because there's a lot of security people in the DC area. Yeah, there are a lot of security people in the DC area, but I also try to give people who haven't done many workshops uh, an opportunity. And I really like and enjoy that. And I really want to make sure that it's something that gets maintained in the group because you can learn something from a seasoned person or somebody from mid-level, but sometimes you can learn things from beginners who are just taking a look at it with fresh eyes and they come at it from a different angle. You're like, oh, wait, I that's interesting. I never really thought about it like that. So we try to keep the whole range presented and available. And I think that it just, it builds confidence for people who are just now trying to get into cybersecurity. What I try to tell people is, yes, you can come into cybersecurity from help desk, which seems to be really common. I'm not for sure why, but it is. So, but I tell them that there you have a unique perspective when you can program. Because when you can program, you understand how the data flows from different uh, system architectures. And you have a unique insight. You also learn how to configure like Python scripts to configure software and different tools into your uh, architecture that you just don't have if you're coming from another angle. I think that what I really wanna encourage people that come to the group is learn a language. Java was my first language that I learned when I was in college. I went to a community college and just to give a little deeper history about myself. I went to a community college, learned Java, learned programming because I was just interested in computers. I always was. And I remember at my university, one of my professors said, oh, don't learn how to program, especially not PHP. It's just too hard. It's not worth it. There's no jobs in it. And then like years later, the IT industry just with all the applications coming out and everything, it was like, that was a place to be. So clearly don't always listen to your professor. But I went to a community college because everybody said, Stephanie, that's where you go to learn how to code. You learn in from the university, like the theory and all this other stuff, but you actually learn how to build at a community college. So I went there, learned Java, fell in love with it. Uh, learned C++, didn't like that. And then I learned a few other languages, but it was uh, 
when I did websites, I learned JavaScript. I'm like, oh, I can do websites. Oh, I can, you know, make money at this. So I did my first company and I was like helping authors with their websites. And I'm like, oh, I love this. You know, you can build something, people can interact with it. And I think I fell in love with that, building something useful that other people can interact and help them with their end goal. And so, like, I like to sit at the computer and just, you know, code all day. It was deeper or I think deeper for me. And from there, I continued to learn about, you know, MySQL, take a class on database and networking. And one thing I do regret about that time is I did not get my, my network plus. And I should have, because my professor at that time was like, told the class, okay, you can either take the final exam or you can take the Network Plus certification that will count as your exam. That is a phenomenal thing for a professor to do. I didn't realize that at the time, but for to look beyond the classroom and say, hey, you can take this final exam and or in lieu of the final exam, you can take the Network Plus and whatever you get on that goes as your final exam grade. I should have taken that option um, at, at that time because he was a terrific professor and I really didn't enjoy it. Instead, I was just like, ah, I don't need a certification. I'll just take, you know, the exam and be done with it, you know, but hindsight, looking back, I wish I would have done it that way. And I wish more professors kind of would have encouraged that, you know, maybe at the time. Do I think that you necessarily need certs to be successful in this field? No, no. Because as we can see, teenagers are into different software systems and causing a lot of damage. And, you know, they don't have a degree or, or any type of piece of paper. But I think that so long as you go in and get the knowledge of the Security Plus or of the Network Plus or of the, I think that's good. So even just reading the books, even if you never take the exam, but reading the books and understanding what people are studying is beneficial. But anyway, so I, you know, graduated from, from uh, you know, college and I had different like internship jobs. And so basically I came down to DC, worked and really got better at programming. But what I noticed was companies were building software and companies were building the software and they weren't securing it. It was all about build, get this out to the client. Okay, here's our deadline. Let's make sure we make our deadline. If we can come in sooner, let's come in sooner, which is fine. But at some point in time, you have to think about the security aspect of it. It's like, why build it? And it can be, you know, hacked because we haven't put anything into it. And that's what really got me interested now in okay, how do you secure software systems? You know, what is the cybersecurity? And that's when I kind of dove into that direction. So a bit of a long answer. No, it's, that, it's yeah. good information. It's helpful to people to hear that. And uh, one of the things too is just, it's, you know, it's really too bad. I'm sure maybe it's gotten better with colleges teaching some security, but I know a lot of people that are working in software don't understand the security piece of it. So it was really great that you kind of saw saw the need for that. I think more 
people that work as developers or programmers really need to to learn the security side of things. Right. I think that's um I think that people are just focused on get it built. And when they do that, they get it they get it built and then they try to go back and say, okay, secure it. And it's almost like putting the cart before the horse. Instead of thinking about it beforehand, if not at least during, now you're at the end and you kind of have to, uh, you know, you, you put more work on yourself, I think. You put more work on yourself. It's best to think about, okay, I'm going to build this software system or this application. How can I secure the APIs? How can I secure the database? How can I secure at different levels? Or if you're in the cloud, looking at your cloud architecture saying, you know, what can I do there before you actually move either the software there or your backups there or whatever you're moving to the cloud, you know, it's something to, to think about. But I think companies are kind of seeing the value now in security because I work for previous companies and layoffs were happening. They lay off half of their security team. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Don't we need these people? Um, don't we need them just in case we have a data breach? And so, but now I think I'm seeing a, a change. People are talking about it more. Managers are talking about it more. I don't think they're fully understanding the ramification of a data breach, you know? Um, but I think it's slowly turning, but we've got a ways to go. Yeah, I agree. It's just sometimes companies worry too much about the money and they don't really think about the the repercussions of not having good security. You know, they don't realize it until it's too late and <laughs> and it kind of starts to, you know, the company gets breached. But so for someone so this this really kind of important I think to understand for someone that's that's a developer or whatever what would you uh, recommend as far as someone learning to, to code more securely and to make the applications more secure? Well, I would start with, uh, start really small. Start with testing, right? So let's test your, let's do integration tests, you know, unit tests. Just get used to figuring out, you know, how your software is, uh, how your software is working and then i would say think about authorization you know um your user groups and then kind of work your way from there um then definitely doing you know some api securing your apis but i would start yeah i would start that way that way it's start from the front working away from the front into the back end because you know you don't want to bite off more than what you can chew and get frustrated I think I think that's um, taking small steps and not thinking that you need to have all these tools in your software system just to make it secure, knowing like what you're going to encrypt, what you're not. So planning, planning and um, testing out different tools, I think it's very important. And also kind of based on your experience, you know, learning yourself, if someone was wanting to get into cybersecurity, what would you recommend? Uh, 
Well, definitely not the way I did it. The way I did it was I went to DEF CON early. I think it was like 2016, 17 or something. No, 16, 15. Um, and I tried to understand all of what they were talking about. And it just, some stuff flew over my head. Some stuff I grasped. And then I was like, wait a minute, let me go back and let me just watch uh, maybe some YouTube videos. Let me ask some of my friends who do a little bit of security at their job. And then, then I ran into Tyrone who does DC Cyber Warriors and he's over Cover 6 Solution. And that really helped to point me better into the right direction. So definitely I wouldn't say just jump and go to, to DEF CON. I would say um the security plus book i would say get to know people go to some meetups in your area um talk to some of your friends who are developers and who do a little bit of securing of their software i would definitely say start with that i would i don't know if i would do like udemy or you know some of those online courses i think the best bet is a meetup group so that you can ask the presenter, you know, all of your questions, where you should, where you should start, where they started, you know, get tips about that books that they've read. I know Phil, you wrote a very good book and um, that's what I would do. If I could, if I could go back, I would have went that way. I kind of just like went all in when I went to DEF CON and <laughs> I think that, take slower steps. Yeah, that's kind of like, you know, when you're kind of starting out on your own and you're kind of figuring it out, it's kind of, you know, it can be kind of difficult and, you know, you learn from it just like a lot of us learn from it, just trying to learn on your own. But as you mentioned, talking to other people, because if you can find someone that's done it and they can share good resources, that's good because you mentioned one of the resources, Udemy, you know, there's some good resources on there, but trying to sort what's good and what's not, because pretty much anyone can put a course on there that wants to put a course on there doesn't mean it's accurate or good. And that's kind of hard to sort for that. So if you've got people that you can go to, to help you, it sure makes it a lot easier to find good, valuable resources. Yes. And that's also kind of how I, I lost some, some time. So I try to help other people just to point them through, you know, what worked for me, because you're right, it's hard to sort through. There's some other, even on YouTube, though, too, you know, it's kind of hard to sort through uh, who's doing it right, who's who's not. But when you have a mentee, like even Charles BSD Bandit on Twitter, you know, he definitely, I met him at it from Meetup Group recommended me. I talked to him, and the first time we talked, we talked for at least an hour and a half that first conversation. And I was like, wow, okay, he really knows his stuff. How can I, you know, have him as a mentor pick up what he knows? And that and that's the other thing. When you do have a mentor, you know, make sure that you know what they know too. And that way you can continue to grow and to and to thrive. So yeah. Very cool. I'm a big fan of uh, Charles. He's a, I love the positivity he has and the videos that he had put up. You know, I thought were very helpful during the pandemic when, you know, there wasn't, you know, a lot of people were kind of depressed about things. So it was always nice to have his little, his videos to, to help lift people's spirits. Right, right. Charles, Charles is amazing just from 
uh, growth perspective in terms of knowledge, in terms of the implication, in terms of just encouraging. Because definitely during that pandemic, I think we all had down uh, some down feelings. I definitely think that skill wise, because I wasn't around other developers, and that's another thing when you're around other developers, you're able to better hone in your skills because uh, you guys are all talking in the office. You guys are all, you know, building. So whatever problem I hit, my colleague may have hit and I can show him or her how to get over it or they can show me how to get over it or we can, you know, just kind of brainstorm. I miss that feeding off of one another type of thing uh, in terms of how we wanted to build the software out. And I think that that was really hard, like during the pandemic. So seeing his videos and definitely chatting with him a lot was really helpful just just to know that because it was just kind of hard like i didn't want to necessarily pick up a new tool and learn something new and you know struggle that i, I kind of actually wanted to take a break from the computer and just get out in nature so he definitely taught me like balance you know and um yeah i love his videos i watch them encouraging is so needing needed and sometimes i'm just like uh yeah, it, it was just it was just needed. I think his positivity videos, I watch them, you know, just to support him. But every once in a while, one of those videos will really, really hit home. Like, just remember, like, we are doing a great job. We do difficult things, and we do them well. And not to be so hard on myself, you know, because I know. That's a good point. So we're getting down towards the end of the show. Is there anything you'd like to share that we didn't discuss? I would just encourage people who are new getting into the field to do something that uh, I had to learn how to do. And that is really when you check, when you pick up a new tool or you're learning a new technique, what have you, you take some time out to really bang your head against the wall with it. Try all the options with it. You're going to get a lot of errors read through the errors, Google the errors, learn what the errors are saying to you. Don't freak out because you get an error and, and you know, take slow and just as part of the learning process, read the logs and learn what's going on there. Not just, oh no, I have an error and somebody come over and come help me, but really first try it. You know, give yourself a half a day or something like that. Just look at it depending upon what the issue is and errors because you'll grow and you'll learn reading how reading why is this wrong and then you'll learn okay this is the right way but you'll also learn why it was the wrong way before and you won't make those same hopefully you won't make those same mistakes again so that's what i would tell people i didn't understand the value in just sitting with it and just keep banging your head against the wall and seeing how other people have fit, had figured it out and seeing you know figure out how you learn because how I learned in school was one way, but how I learn in programming and in cybersecurity, it, it's different. And I noticed that and I are still growing in that. But um, yeah, definitely sit down with your code, go through why it was wrong and don't forget about it, get it right. But also, you know, congratulate yourself and just have you know, make sure you reward yourself because sometimes this, you'll be thinking about an issue 
and you'll go to bed and then all of a sudden you'll be like, oh wait, let me just try this one last thing. And then you'll try it and then it'll work. And then you'll go to bed and your sleep will be amazing. That has happened to me so many times throughout my career. I'm just like, wait a minute, just one more thing. You know, I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm like, wait a minute, let me just, let me just type this out. Let me just try it this way. And then you, you get it and you're like, that was it. Okay, I can go to bed now. <laughs> like, you know, and then the next day is just so much better. So definitely be easy on yourself. It's going to take multiple tries and that's okay. That doesn't mean that you fail multiple times. You just found multiple ways of how not, how this doesn't go. Yeah, it makes you better. That's a good point there because if everything came easy that you learned, you wouldn't learn anything because when something goes wrong and having to figure it out how to troubleshoot it is a huge lesson because when I was getting started as a sysadmin, my very first job was was a NetWare 411 and Windows 95 rollout. So we were building these machines. We would install it. There really wasn't much troubleshooting. Just build it, take it out and, and install it. And then my neck, one of my next jobs, I was in an environment where things were really unstable and going through and learning how to troubleshoot. I was close to quitting because it's a very unstable environment, but I kind of learned. I thought, well, I had all this time learning how to install. I can install these operating systems really well, build these servers. But now I've got these problems. If I can figure that out, I need the troubleshooting piece. And it was a great learning experience. Yes, you gain a lot of knowledge by troubleshooting, a lot. Yep, because definitely it's not always going to go perfect when you install it, especially when you start working with some of these open source uh, security tools sometimes, especially running on Linux, the different requirements to run those. Sometimes this doesn't always work exactly the way it's supposed to. Yes, for sure. Well, thanks for taking time to join the show. It was an honor to have you on. It was fun. I loved it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks. And thanks, everyone, for joining. And we'll see you on the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast with Philip Wiley. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.